I tune in for like an art band screaming at me about which cities in Estonia are more wooden than the others. Hello and welcome to the EuroWatch, episode 172 for the week of November 14th, 2022. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. This week, we'll be sharing our tips for how to make the most out of Eurovision selection season. Happy Eurovision Equinox, Ben. A happy Eurovision Equinox to you as well, Mike. <laughs> I guess that's a thing now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't. Yeah, like, like it popped up on Twitter. Well, while, while that still remains a thing. So, so yes, as of the twelfth, we are officially halfway between last year's winner and next year's winner. Time really does seem to be flying, and there was a lot of stuff that came through in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, everybody is kind of getting their plans in order. It's exciting. The big one to start with is the Netherlands. They have announced that Mia Nikolai and Dion Cooper are going to be their artists in Liverpool. Their song is one that they co-wrote with Duncan Lawrence, who won for the Netherlands back in 2019, (laughs) way in the before times. That shouldn't feel so far away, and yet it does. Yeah, it just feels so ancient at this point. Equinox is just like, oh, six months from now. It's just like, nope, that's tomorrow. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like that there is sort of like a baton passing. Duncan was mentored by Ilsa DeLong of the Common Linnets. It's nice that baton is getting passed off again. Yeah, looking forward to what Mia and Dion are going to present. In terms of who these people are, Mia is 26. She's based in LA. According to the article that Eurovision posted, she seems to be a free spirit type. Dion, he's 28. He describes his sound as being kind of a cross between Brian Adams and Harry Styles. And the photo shows that he has visible abs. That That's about all of the information that we have on these people at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the the Netherlands is kind of playing their cards close to the chest, which, you know what? It's November. That's fine. Do that. This is usually their MO. Like they'll they'll Mm -hmm. announce the artist and there'll be a pretty sizable gap uh, between when the artist announcement happens and when the song drops. It may not even be until March that we actually hear the song. And I looked up both Mia and Dion on Famous Birthdays and sad trombone, neither one of them is there. We'll just have to keep an eye on the Eurovision socials to learn more about them as we get closer to the contest. One thing I saw pop up Somewhere on Twitter, someone was like, just like, they've announced ASC is back. There's a submission website. And like, I immediately was like, okay, where's the article? I found the article and it's pointing to the submission form from 2021, which admittedly didn't ha- doesn't have any dates explicitly on the form, but doesn't have any of the branding. Just like in my professional life, I now know way more about branding than I would say I knew five years ago, where now it's just sort of an immediate tip off for me that like a, a web page has not been updated. And as soon as I realized that that was the case, I'm like, okay, this is literally just the same site from when we were first spinning this up. If we were doing this again, A, there would be an official press release. B, there would be an update to the submission site so that the branding was consistent with what the, the branding developed for the show is. I remember when, in 2021, when the site dropped, uh, we had retweeted it, and somebody replied to us to be like, yeah, that looks like a phishing scam. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of get that, but I actually went into the Whois directory and all of that to verify. It's like, oh, no, it's the same company that handles auditions for The Voice. So it's like, no, it's legit. I agree, it does look like a phishing scam, but that's NBC's problem. <laughs> Honestly, the other place I generally check for this sort of thing is NBC has a casting page, and they haven't updated their casting page in a while they're still advertising like ellen's game of games which i'm pretty sure got canceled 
I, I feel like NBC, is, if they bring it back, is not going to bring it back in the same format. I feel like they will absolutely do some retooling. I mean, we did get NBC's midseason schedule. They dropped that uh, a couple of days after this happened. It wasn't triggered by this uh, at all. Okay, but, 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 but also it's not on there. So like it's not coming back at midseason. We can all just sort of sit calmly. It sounds like we will not be doing a repeat of last year where we are trying to uh, capture in the moment how each week felt. That said, if you would like to hear what that sounded like, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash what, where amongst the many bonus episodes of this show you can listen to, you can listen to us week by week, just sort of go, just just talking about marketing and branding, just go, oh, oh, oh no. Yeah, I think it was week four when we appeared on their Twitter. Uh, that was that was a good one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, where we were like on screen and just like, oh no, they picked that one. Like, if this is the tweet that they're putting on screen, there's not a lot of tweets for them to pick from. In terms of processes that are going forward, Belgium announced what their process is going to be. This is going to be their first national selection process that they've used since 2016. So it's been a minute. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Eurosong is going to have seven artists and they will each perform two songs. They announced who the seven artists are. One of them is a duo that includes Tom Dice, who represented Belgium in 2010. The songs are scheduled to be revealed beginning January 9th. I think they're dropping one or two every day. And then the final is scheduled for Saturday, January 14th. There's something about song drafts that just is very, we will continue to release songs two times per day until our demands are met. Yes. (laughs) It sort of works. I mean, that was Norway's process for at least three years. Romania is also coming back to Eurovision and they are doing their Selectia Nationala. It's still kind of up in the air. Like they're accepting submissions right now and they have February 11th kind of penciled in for their selection. But That may depend on how many entries they receive, the quality of entries. If they only have a few to choose from that they think are going to have a chance, they may just go right ahead and do a internal selection of those. Still something to look forward to. Glad Romania is still in the mix. Uh, I know that they were really uh, troubled. Uh, They had a live televised debate about whether they should do Eurovision. Yes. They're in the process of retooling, and uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of that process. They are a nation who... We'll use the same title for a selection process that can really vary from year to year. In terms of returning processes, SD Lowell is is coming back, although unlike the last couple of years where there have been like, hello, here are 40 entries and it's November, they are going back to an older format. So we're going to have 20 acts with two semis and a grand final. As much as I have appreciated getting sort of a wider range of things from them, I'm kind of excited that we're back to this format. Yeah, I really did not like last year's format. I, I feel like the quarterfinal process knocked out all of the interesting entries, and we didn't end up having any of like the weird art house ones making it through to the semifinals. And that's why I tune into East Lal. Yes, let's say I tune in for like an art band screaming at me about which cities in Estonia are more wooden than the others. <laughs> R.I.P. Tartu. And like, if you want to weed those out beforehand, sure, that's fine. But don't televise it for me. Don't show me that the sausage this year is going to be boring. The songs for that will be released on December 2nd, and the semifinals will be held in January. So get hyped and start looking up names of Estonian cities so you can determine if they're wooden or not. The Czech Republic's national selection, they're kind of switching things up. Because like previously, it's been all online, but it sounds like they're going to select three of the songs submitted for a live final. I am really excited about that. I know that's something that's been in the works for the Czech broadcaster for a while. And I think COVID kind of screwed that plan up. Yes. Like 2020 was 
was this online format. And I think they were trying to use that as kind of a springboard to eventually do a live show, but then it just wasn't possible in 2021, and they kind of lost all of that momentum, so they stuck with the online process last year, which worked out for them. And really, the online process has worked out for them most times that they've tried it. This change-up is going to be one to watch. Uh, Germany has revealed the details of Unserlied for Liverpool, their general selection process. It sounds very similar to most years they've done it, like a lot of the radio stations, they're going to be reaching out to artists and performers. Uh, the national file will be sometime in early March. The new thing this year is that they have announced that they're going to be accepting entries via traditional methods. But also, there's going to be a TikTok wildcard, where if you submit a song and you hashtag it correctly on the TikTok, they're going to pick everything from those and have a TikTok wildcard. And that feels very interesting to me. I'm kind of surprised that they're the only ones who seem to be entertaining this idea so far. But at the same time, it... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not actively on TikTok. I only see TikToks if somebody places it in front of me and says, here, watch this. And like, I'm usually delighted by what I see. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I just have not accessed it. I have Uh, have not given myself over to the algorithm over there. Exactly. I feel like Jendrick did some level of TikTokery in terms of getting notice. And I feel like that didn't work out as well for Germany. So it's interesting to see them return to this. On the other hand, I was not overly thrilled with this year's crop of potential entrants. So, hey, bring back the wild card. Although, German wild cards are interesting to me because I feel like whenever Germany has a wild card as part of their Unserlied process, the wild card tends to win, but also tends to go to the main Eurovision stage and not do well. Right. And I'm I, I'm wondering if the, if, if the adding of TikTok is just sort of Germany going, well, it's TikTok's fault because... Because like that that that's like a micro trend and that's not necessarily what was going to work well. Over, like it feels like they're giving themselves a, a some place to point the finger if they don't do well again. Germany's process just feels like it needs an overhaul, like its friends in Spain and the UK have done. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody else is sort of going, "Oh, we need to think about changing what we send," and Germany's just like, "We're going to keep doing what we're doing." Perhaps with the TikTok thing, it is going to kind of kick it into something that's a little bit more current. Yeah, just something that's a little less MOR radio. Right, right. And then the final process we know about that seems to be pretty similar is Portugal's Festival de Canção. Uh, the 20 composers have been announced, and that's very much a composer-driven process. 15 were invited, and five were public submissions out of 667 entries. We don't know what performers are going with those, but that again, that's very much the Portuguese processes. Euro Bruno on Twitter has a thread giving a rundown of all those composers, and that will be happening on March 11th. This is one of my favorite processes. I'm looking forward to hearing what the songs are going to be. And Portugal's really been knocking it out the last few Mm -hmm. years. So They know who they are, and I appreciate that a lot. In terms of fan engagement stuff, since we are still in the middle of the offseason, Aussie Vision had a top 100 national final countdown where the results were revealed this past weekend. We were invited to submit our ballots, and uh, Ben, you did rather well. You got nine out of your 10 into the top 100. Is that correct? That is correct. And if you look at the full 250, 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. I had (laughs) one out of 10 in the top 100, and I think I had three in the top 250. After we had submitted, uh, Dale over at Aussie Vision commented on both lists and just like, oh, you've got this and this. And Mike has some unique picks, which just screamed (laughs) very good for a first try. I'm Midwestern. (laughs) I'm Midwestern. I know what that means. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I, I I believe Unique Picks is the Eurovision equivalent of Bless Your Heart. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I stand by... At least the top five that I had. Oh, yeah, no, you, like, well, and, like, looking at your list, I was just like, how did I forget about Ida Maria? I love Ida Maria. Why was she not on my list? So my process with these sort of lists, I limit myself to one song per country. Had I not had that limit, I think half of my list would have been Swedish, which is kind of surprising for me, given my opinions about Melfest. And when I was constructing this list, uh, I was in Frankfurt Airport at 5.30 a.m. local time on a four-hour layover. I was like, oh, this is the perfect project for killing that sort of time. So, like, trying to assemble a list. And this is all happening on my cell phone, by the way. So it's like, (laughs) trying to arrange things on Spotify so I can have a playlist, walk through the airport and just try to like evaluate these things and yeah like and uh also like trying to kind of balance it out so that i wasn't overlapping with your list like there were some songs that were on my short list that was like oh i bet ben's gonna pick that one i'll i'll leave that one off and uh yeah so that was kind of weighing in on it but if, if given a second chance i would probably mm-hmm. vote differently but uh yeah but i mean a hundred out of the national finals, like that is tough. That, yeah, it, that was yes, yeah. When when Aussie Vision reached out, I was like, "That's a very daunting task." And thankfully, they had a short list that included the most of what was sort of on my short list. My first step was to go to okay, where is my sort of go to playlist I have in Spotify that I listen to most frequently? What are the national final things I have on there? And then from there, just did sort of like got that down to a list of thirty. Somehow, didn't have drip from lithuania on there that really surprised me yeah <laughs> but like that was the first I mean, one i was like oh i gotta take that off ben's gonna have that one, on the so. other <laughs> hand i like that song but i'm still like i feel like it would have landed still outside of my top 10 mm-hmm. or or i might have self-filtered that one out just of like i enjoy this one but i'm not sure i would list it as is, is this in like my top top list of, of national file songs or is this one that's like just for me because another one that i i almost included on there but i think i excluded for similar reasons uh was from latvia's selection this year bad Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where both of those feel like sort of SNL digital shorts to me. Yeah. <laughs> just just that sort of energy. Mm-hmm. I thought about a, a one song per country list. But I'm like, I have too much Swedish, Norwegian, and Icelandic stuff that I want to get in there. I was just very pleased to see Gabrielis Vajelis' Tabe Shaurandu on the top 100 doing very well. Lithuania's 2020 process, I, I think that is as close as you're going to get to a perfect selection process. Just like a perfect microcosm of why you watch national finals, like truly, yeah. like that, that first Pabandam is now is just real special. We'll have a link to the full list in our show notes. And uh, yeah, better luck next year, Mike. Uh- <laughs> yeah, apparently I just have the, the finger on the pulse of the Australian zeitgeist when it comes to Eurovision national final favorites, which that's a real weird specific thing to have. I think my problem was I, at least five of my entries were write-in entries, and maybe that's not the way to go on these sort of things. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Like, I was expecting way more of my stuff to be, like, a write-in, and, like, I, I kept finding on the page. I'm like, okay, so I'm not completely crazy for having this one in the mix of my shortlist. We will have a second chance to improve our voting practices. Uh, the ESC Top 250 Countdown voting is open until Sunday, December 4th. Lorene's Euphoria has won the last 10 years. Will this year be the year that something else takes the crown? 
I don't think so, but who knows? Probably, we probably not, but like, what if what if you didn't put it on your shortlist this year? What if you just trusted that somebody else is going to cover it? And if we all do that. I also do the one per country on the list. And I did this last year, and I think I'm going to do it again this year, where I'm only voting for songs that have not previously appeared on the countdown. That gives me a nice little cheat into including songs from this year. But there are a couple of songs that have not been in the countdown that really shocked me. Like uh, Montenegro's Space is not in there. Moldova's My Lucky Day is not in there. And considering like how delightful how I feel delightful those the are. visuals for those are. Yeah, no, like I'm I am all in for for a things that have not appeared before. <laughs> Again, do not expect a lot of my votes mm-hmm. to get through. I think that uh yeah i'm trying to think of last year's uh anything that was not a 2021 entry i don't think made it in but i'm really throwing my full weight behind the social network song though like that this year of all years i feel it needs to be included because boy Mm -hmm. oh boy (laughs) the prophecy just every year i listen to that song when it pops up and like wow this is just a black mirror episode now isn't it Right. So checking in on our friends in Kalush Orchestra, Mike, how was their Chicago show? It was a really interesting concert experience. It was really one that I've not had before. I'm guessing at least 95% of the audience were of Ukrainian heritage or at least spoke the language because the show was 100% in Ukrainian. (laughs) And there was a lot of call and response where my husband and I were just nodding along being like, okay. (laughs) It was interesting hearing Stefania performed in this different context. Like, I I know I was really down on that as an entry during the contest. And I think the, not so much the mood has shifted, but the purpose behind the song has shifted. Like, it feels like when it was being performed at Eurovision, like, there was a specific job to be done. We need this song to win the contest. It was all game face. Whereas here, it felt a lot looser and a lot more charismatic it was much more infectious i thought like it it just felt kind of stiff in turin and Mm -hmm. yeah this this one it felt a little bit more relaxed i mean there's still like the work to be done things aren't over yet and this uh concert was just as much of a fundraiser awareness raiser like that that sort of event but uh yeah like it, it, it was a totally different vibe and it was a really fun set that they did highly recommend that is not the only place they're popping up. They uh, they are also performing at the MTV EMAs, which are happening while we record. It's a good year for recent Eurovision people at the MTV EMAs this year, because Monoskin is up for Best Rock Group, Sam Ryder is presenting an award, and amidst the early awards, Amir has won Best France Act. Good for him. Uh, Pinguini Tatici Nucleari is from, from San Remo 2020 got Best Italian Act. Noah Carell, who will be representing Israel next year, got Best Israeli Act, so keep an eye on that. Uh, and then, like, the part that I'm most excited about is that the the hosts are Rita Ora and Taika Waititi. So Who Weekly is absolutely going to have a recap of some sort, just because it's Rita. They will record after we record, so they will know what actually happened at the awards. So, uh, yeah, and both shows come out on Tuesday. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you're curious about what happened, check out Who Weekly's episode that drops the same day that this episode drops. Yeah, that is a lot of selection season stuff, and it's only November this is a perfect time to map out how to navigate 
selection season. More than half of the participating countries have already announced that they are going to have some sort of televised selection process. It's going to be a lot of TV that's happening end of December through the middle of March. I think from the last couple of years of the contest having a higher profile in the States, I've had more friends who who were Eurovision curious and would maybe tune in for the grand final and have now started tuning in for the semis going, okay, but like, how do countries pick their act? Like, how do I find out about that? So like, it's a great time to talk about how does one watch national selections? What's happening? I guess the first step is kind of figuring out the calendar of what it is you want to watch and optimizing your calendar to facilitate that. I use Google Calendar. One of the handy things in Google Calendar is you can set up various time zones in the sidebar so that you know what time things are actually happening. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's two o'clock in Chicago. What time is it in like Tbilisi? Yes. Selection season typically starts end of December. It's usually Albania's Festivali Kungus that is the kickoff to selection season. It's a three to five day music festival, and that one is streamed through Albania's broadcaster and also mirror links via YouTube. This year, we also know that Ukraine's broadcaster is going to have Vidbir on December 17th. I believe that is the earliest scheduled event so far there may be one that like surprisingly pops up i don't think that's going to happen but yeah. uh yeah so like a couple of things in december january your more long form processes are going to kick off so anything that's going to take like four to six weeks will probably start mid-january so that it can wrap up in february that's usually when like lithuania gets started norway Malta is doing a long-form process this year. I think that's starting in mid-January. The processes that have like quarterfinals and semifinals will be the ones that will start a little bit earlier in the year so that it finishes right in the February time slot. As a result of that, there's a lot of stuff that happens in February, and you're probably going to hear the term Super Saturday thrown around. There's just a lot of stuff on TV, and a lot of it is going to be overlapping or running against each other. Like Lithuania doesn't really care what's on Sweden's schedule. Sweden doesn't care what's on France's schedule. They are all independent of one another. For the year of fandom, though, it requires a lot of strategy. Yes. Yeah, it is not uncommon for there to be one or two Saturdays in the month of February where there are six shows all on at the same time. From our perspective as people who cover this on a podcast, like generally with those Super Saturdays, you and I are sort of balancing out, okay, who is going to watch this one live versus who can come back to it later? Right. And that's, that's another helpful thing to keep in mind when you're looking at streamers is like some you can watch it live and then watch it back later. Or there are some where you're just going to have to watch it live or you may be bouncing back and forth or have multiple screens open or multiple televisions running. <laughs> I don't recommend the multi TV. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't do multiple TVs. We pride that like it's not a fun time. February is going to be the busiest time when it comes to selections, and you're even going to run into selections that are happening during the week. That's not as much of a problem for people in Europe because it's all happening during prime time. If you're in the States, it's probably going to run into your workday, so you may need to have it on in the background or just make peace with the fact that you're going to miss Ireland's selection. Sorry. Yes. All of this should wrap up by March 11th-ish. That is when Portugal and Sweden will be having their finals. They're typically the last ones before the submission deadline, which is usually sometime around March 15th. It's kind of a fuzzy date, but middle of March is when EBU is just like, all right, everybody has to turn in their essays so they can get graded. 
Once that date's passed, then you just sort of have the staring contest between all the internal selection nations of just seeing who's going to blink so that who can go last. Like, as we mentioned, there's going to be more than 20 selection shows that are happening. And yeah, uh, trying to find all the broadcasters uh, can be a bit daunting. Uh, we, we will try to uh, keep you up to date on that in various calendars and spreadsheets and all of that. And uh, be sure to check out the show notes to get all of the links for those. But the good news is most of these broadcasters won't require you to have a VPN installed. I think like Croatia and Serbia are the only ones where I've had to use VPN on a regular basis or like they have some sort of login that you need to do. Yeah, uh, the, the other one where I generally need to have a login, but I don't need a VPN is Finland. Occasionally, I will get emails from YLE that are just entirely in Finnish and just have all of the use, just so many use with umlauts. For most of these broadcasters, you maybe need to create a login, but they know that people from outside of their nation want to watch these, so they will lift the, the VPN requirement on the selection shows. Norway, in particular, have like their normal streaming feed, but then for NRK and GP, they have a specific link that you go to so that you can watch it if you're not in Norway. If you do need a VPN, if you have a password manager, it may provide one. Or if you use the web browser Opera, there's a VPN built in. That one's good in a pinch. What I really like and has really become like my go-to in the last couple years is I have an Apple TV, but I think if you have like a Roku or another streaming box like the the Google whatevers, most of these broadcasters now have apps. And you can get this for your phone as well, where you can just have that. That's made it really easy to switch between nations very quickly. And in cases where, like Norway's process, where like they've saved the episodes on a weekly basis, I can focus my attention on the live stuff and go back to that later and just find that in their programming. Also, it means that you'll be able to watch it on a TV instead of a computer screen, which can be yes. really handy. Which is, which is just really nice. Yeah. We will be keeping track of all of this stuff on our 2023 page on our website. So if you go to eurowhat.com slash 2023, we've already got a spreadsheet up there. So you know that I've, I've been playing with it. I was going to say, I, I looked at this earlier, and like, there's already so much great information. We'll be updating it throughout the season, including getting that Spotify playlist when songs are dropping. But I think one of the major takeaways from this is you won't get to see everything live, and that's going to be okay. Like, last year, yes. there were more than 500 songs like publicly available in the selection season process. And that's across all of the national finals, the uh, quarterfinals, semifinals. If they had like public submissions, like I'm thinking of Moldova's process where it ended up being an internal selection, but they had that like audition show where there were like 40 songs or something. <laughs> and yeah. the important ones, the ones that kind of rise to the top that uh, there's a lot of chatter about, those videos will be made available. You'll you'll yeah, be like, able to catch them. Like if you're not able to watch the quarterfinals, but you know it advanced to the semis, you may be able to watch the semis. There may not be a conflict in those weeks. The thing I remember about Moldova is like trying to watch Moldova's selection can be hard just because some nations do not have the wattage necessary to do a good stream or a reliable stream, especially when 2,000 random Eurofans jump onto a stream that's not meant for that many people. Yep. You may not get to see the, the, the person singing the song directly off of their phone, but trust that someone is on that stream, we'll clip it and we'll put it on YouTube or we'll put it on whatever we go to after Twitter or someplace where, where we can go back to that. Since there is so much going on, like, even within an individual process, like San Remo, 
That is a 30 plus hour commitment over the course of the entire competition. Like you, you really have to be dedicated if you're going to watch that. And like here in the States, we have the advantage. We're not going until two in the morning the way that people in Europe would be if they're watching San Remo live. But that's still a like six hour commitment that we're not always going to be able to make. Like I, I have a day job, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, yeah, it's like, I love San Remo. I love when I can have it on during the afternoon behind me. But yeah, like I, like I have a day job. I can't, I can't necessarily watch all of Tuesday's performances. You have to just make peace with some level of FOMO. Some finals, they may have only six songs and that's only going to be like a 90 minute commitment. And there's a lot of filler that happens in these shows. Like if you've watched American Idol, you know what I'm talking about. Like there is no reason that a show with five contestants needs to be two hours. And yeah, like especially if they're speaking in a language that you do not understand at all, it'd be like, okay, like they're going to be talking for a little bit. Let me switch over to this other country where there is an active performance happening. So you will probably have multiple windows open on your computer or you will be flipping back and forth between apps on your Apple TV that's fine. You're just going to be doing a lot of channel surfing, hopping, uh, wherever the community is gathering online to watch together live. People will be making noise if there's something to be like, turn this on right now. You should really sort of structure your your selection season viewing for what interests you the most and try and diversify your, your media diet. In terms of diversifying the diet, I really recommend checking out countries that you don't normally check out. Like, I felt last year nobody was watching Slovenia, and that was a really fun final. Like, there was some interesting stuff going on there. I don't know if any of them would have really changed Slovenia's fortunes at Eurovision this year, but uh, yeah, it was still a good process, but it really felt like nobody was watching that one. It's like, oh, that's a shame. In terms of my own personal diversification, like, this year was the first time I had watched all of Latvia's Supernova, and that was just a delightful process this year. Just like front of that, that had just like a really rich, varied level of things where like some of them you're like, well, there's no way they're going to pick this. And if they did pick it, there's no way it's going to qualify, but it's still very entertaining. Yeah, if you're not sure what you want to watch, the songs will usually be available on YouTube or Spotify or some other streaming service. And you'll be able to check out the music ahead of time. And if there's a song that catches your ear, be like, oh, I want to see what that looks like on stage. Uh, you'll be able to kind of schedule things around that way. And again, factor that into your channel surfing. Be like, okay, this person's in number eight in the lineup. I can watch this other one. Keep an eye on where they are in the running order. When it's getting close to that, hop over to whichever selection has that entry. Really, I think it's the second screen experience that makes selection season so much fun. And that's the thing that I'm kind of worried most about this year with the whole Twitter collapsing on itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like so much of of enjoying the semifinals has been like it's not even it's not even the second screen for me. It's like the third screen. I will have one semifinal on my Apple TV. I will have another semifinal on my laptop. I will have Eurovision Twitter on my phone, and just try to balance across all three of those. So like I'm I'm really hoping that that doesn't completely go go away. But yeah, we're we're in strange new territory. If you have a plan and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear it. Uh, we are like, experimenting with Mastodon, but I'm dubious on what that's looking like. Yeah, Mastodon is like its own whole thing. As much as I love Tumblr, it's its own whole language. Yeah, it's the language and the live aspect of it. Live tweeting, that's a thing. Live tumbling, I I just don't see how that's going to work. There's something about having 240 characters where you can just be real short, real in the moment, real pithy, that that just, I am trying to figure out what, what is next. How do I diversify that? All suggestions are welcome. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWatch. Thanks for listening. The EuroWatch podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. If you're still on Twitter, you can find us there at EuroWatch. If you'd like to support the show, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash EuroWatch. Our next bonus episode will be about the Liverpool music scene. I'm really excited about that one. Show notes are in the description of this episode and on our website at EuroWatch.com. Next time on the EuroWatch, it's part two of our look at the UK's history at Eurovision. You know, the 2000s. I'm, I'm sure it's great, just like the rest of their history was.